You're, you're, you're listening to TPV Virtual Radio. It's live right now on the Psalmist Voice on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. It's the two-time Stellar Award considered, Spin Award nominated. You're listening to the Voice to the Voice, the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up? This is Carlton Luizo from Trinidad and Tobago, and you are listening to the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Walk with me, family. Let me go, let me go, let me go! What's good, radio family? TPV Radio is just getting hotter, and we have an all-star lineup just for you. Mondays, conversations with Joe and Jay at 7.30 a.m. Tuesdays, victory over the weights of life with author Deanne Lebrin at 6 p.m. Wednesdays, Illuminating Word Ministries with Dr. Apostle Forrest L. Walker Sr. at 5 p.m. Thursdays, Real Talk with Pastor Byron Sago at 4.30 p.m. Also, Dorothy Patterson, the reality coach, at 6 p.m. Fridays, the exclusive interview with yours truly, the Psalmist Voice, by appointment only. Saturdays, is Saturdays Refet with Sister Lorraine Brown and Roberta Jones at 11 a.m., followed by The Locker Room with Coach D., at 4 p.m. Sundays, TPV Reloaded at 2 p.m. with the Familia. Catch all of TPV Radio programming on Facebook Live at TPV Radio. Also, Live 365, tune in, and all of our podcasts, social media platforms. Walk with us in relationship, purpose, and promise, and let's go! You're listening to the hottest, most off-controversial, off-the-meters Christian radio station in the land. In the land. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Are you ready to walk, family? Let's go! What's good, family? It's your boy, the Psalmist Voice, a.k.a. Pastor Christopher Newton. And you're listening to the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Walk with us, family. Let's go!
It's time for the locker room with Coach D right now on TPV Radio. Radio. What's good? This is Coach D, and you have entered the locker room. It's October the 30th, 2021. Man, where has this year gone? I mean, I'm telling you, it is already, 2021 is almost over. And, you know, that's going to bring up a, a, a real good point right now is we can't afford to lose any more ground. I mean, time is out. We see how fast time seems to be going. Hey, man, look, we have got to get this thing. We've got to get it right. We've got to hit the ground running full force. So I'm a little excited today. We're going to come at you. I, I want to tell you, I don't want to give no disclaimer or warning, but if you're sensitive, you're touchy-feely, you might want to pray about it as you listen along because we're going to get down and dirty with some issues, the truth. We're going to hit it and hit it hard today. Well, amen. I'm Coach D, and you are now in the locker room, and I'm just excited that we can be here before you today. I'm thankful to God today that he allowed me to see another day and basically to be here with you, and I'm just excited about that. I'm just really giving him all the thanks, praise, and glory. But, you know, I want to give my shout-out because i got an amazing, amazing, amazing staff of coaches on board today. And they're going to do an amazing job. They bring their A game all the time. These guys, I, I, I told them to get ready, get fired up, because we're going to bring it, and we're going to bring it hard today. But i got to give a shout-out to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, he's just amazing. He just continues to amaze me each and every day. As time goes on, he's blessing me and my family and those that are around me. So i got to give him a big shout-out for what he's doing and what he's done with me. I got to give a shout out to my amazing, brave, courage, courageous, beautiful wife, Deborah, for just being there, sticking by me, putting up with me. And, you know, I'm telling you, folks, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Not just a woman, but a wife finds a good thing. And she has been an amazing wife to me. I got to give a shout out to my kids. I got Ariana, Andrea, Ashley, Josh. I want to give you a shout-out today because Daddy loves you. You really, really made fatherhood special for me. And I just want to give a shout-out to you guys. And, you know, i got to give a shout-out to TPV Ministries, you know, because it's the days like today where we hit these hard, controversial, nothing-but-the-truth topics that they allow us to have this platform. They don't want it watered down. They don't want it sugar-coated. Here at TPV, we come raw and ready. And I'm just thankful to God for the vision that Pastor Chris has had in that ministry and just really going through and and travailing through all the obstacles and all the time the enemy tried to shut it down. Hey, God still pulled us through for him. And I want to give a shout-out to Mighty Men's Institute, Coach Smalls and all that they're doing over there. Just an amazing community of strong-willed men that are focused and in love with Jesus, and it's just amazing to be around them. And my coaching staff, I got to give a shout-out to these guys. These guys are the epitome of those who love Christ, and I'm just thankful for each and every one of them. And you, family, I got to give a shout-out to you just for 
tuning in each and every week, and I want to thank you for the support that you've been giving us here at the locker room. It's just been truly, truly amazing to see the growth out there, to hear the testimonies, to see, you know, guys tuning in and listening and really gleaning something for us. And I'm just thankful for that. And, you know, I can't just thank God enough for what he's done in this ministry. He has really, really pulled it up, and I'm just so thankful. But I can go on and on and on and on. I got to step back and let my coaches get their shout-outs away. Coach Tut, you on the line? You got any shout-outs you'd like to get out, sir? We got Coach Tut out there today. All right, well, we'll wait on Coach Tut. He's probably running a little behind. Coach Newt, you out there, sir. You got any shout-outs you'd oh. like to get out the way? Well, he asked the wrong person to give shout-outs. <laughs> okay, let me stop. Let me be nice. See, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go in today, but I got to give a shout-out to the Summers Voice Radio Network ministry team. I thank God for all of you that tirelessly listen to the voice of God and do what God called you to do. Not what I said you, what Christ has for you to do. And I give honor to all of you for making TPV Radio what it is. Also, I got to give a shout out to my kiddos, CJ, Tajanique, Jalen, Tyreek, Ann, and Tajane. Daddy loves you all to pieces. And also, family, if you didn't know, excuse me, I'm a little stuffy, allergies and all that craziness going on right now here in Texas. We got wind crazy, hay fever going around, all that nonsense. But also, uh, just to let you know, uh, we want to thank everyone for voting for this year's Stellar Awards again. We did not win. No, we didn't. It's okay, but we thank you for the tremendous support of the voting. And please don't stop, because we have also been nominated for the Texas Excellent Gospel Awards here in Texas. It's a Texas-ran award show. So we've been nominated for two categories. Uh, first one. Uh, Internet Gospel Radio Station of the Year for the State of Texas, and also Gospel Announcer of the Year, which is myself, uh, the Samus Voice. So this is the first time we've ever been on this ballot or this award show. So that's huge for us that the State of Texas even considers us to be a part of this awesome organization. So we are tremendously humbled. And honored, and we will see you will see a lot of that in all of our pages. So please like all of our pages, uh, TPV Radio, also the real TPV Fam, also my page, Christopher 
TPV Newton, and the list goes on and on. Also, I got to give a shout out to All In TV. Now, if you didn't know, now you know. Got to give a big up and shout out to uh, one of our coaching staff here, uh, Pastor Mike um, and his son and his team with that. They didn't have to put TPV on their station, let alone even broadcast us. And I'm tremendously humbled and honored that we can be a part of another move of God. So not only you'll get to see TPV broadcasting, I'm slowly getting everything transferred over so you can also see the locker room on in TV as well. So God is moving. It's slow. But see, the good thing I love about God is that he wants us to be strategic in our movements, and he will bless you if you do so. So we ain't in no rush to be the next big thing, but I thank God for the doors that he's opened, and I am tremendously humbled and grateful for the great men that have come in my life thus far, and the best is yet to come. 2022 is going to be a year, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So I'm going to be quiet because I'm ready to get it in, Coach. So back to you. Hey, man, man, that is awesome to see God move like that. And, you know, as you were saying that, Coach Newton, it really isn't slow. It's right on time, you know. I mean, sometimes we – we want to wish or think it should have been sooner than what it was, but God has perfect timing for what he does. Like you said, everything is strategically placed at the point in time when he wants to use it for his glory in his time. So, hey, it's right on time, and I'm excited to even be part of this move and what God's doing, and it's really, really exciting. Well, next, Coach, I'm going to bring up this amazing, amazing young man. I call him a young man because... He is just fired up in the spirit. You know, he is full of energy. He's ready to go at all times. He is the definition of humility and meekness operating in his life. I've got to know this coach in the past year, and it seems like we've been knowing each other our whole entire lives. Good brother, great kindred spirit with him. He has plenty. He's a bank, uh, untapped resources of knowledge for you folks, and pull on him any time. You need a word. Coach Lass, you out there. Good to be here. Yep, I'm uh, uh, here, and I've got a couple shout-outs today. And I know uh, some were duplicated, but uh, I just can't uh, thank uh, my Lord and Savior enough for just giving us the opportunity to do this. And, uh, um, you know, like Coach Newton said, that he's strategically uh, raising up ministries to do this last days um, push towards uh, um, salvation and repentance and uh, reclaiming what the enemy has stolen from us. So um, just excited about that. And, uh, of course, my wife, my wonderful wife, Renee, who um, her support really makes it a, a lot easier. And uh, a Mighty Men's Training Institute. I'm, you know, Coach Small. I just love the fact that we get together on Thursday nights and that to support each other through the week. It's just, uh, 
kind of like an anchor that just kind of keeps you uh, well grounded through whatever the week or whatever the world throws at you. So uh, that's kind of my shout out today, Coach. It's great to be here. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed to have you here. The guys are blessed to have you here today. And we certainly, certainly appreciate you and what God's doing with you in your life. This next coach I'm bringing up is this guy. He's rock solid. I love this guy. Like I said, I, 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 last year and a half or so, we've gotten together and, and we've been ministering together and doing some things jointly together. God has really kind of connected us. And, and you know, I, every time this, this, this coach speaks, I just hang on what the Holy Spirit is bringing out of his mouth because he has such a such a depth of scripture and, and revelatory knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives him. I just he just really blesses me every time that, that, that he has an opportunity to minister. And I know he's gonna bless you today because we're gonna get the truth, we're gonna get down and dirty with it. And this guy is, is the picture of down and dirty with the truth. Coach Coleman, you out there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Hey, man, to meet and greet everybody out there. I first, uh, you know, uh, want to follow suit with all the great men of God and give honor and shout out to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Most High. My El Shaddai, I want to say thank God for another opportunity to be on here with you and to break bread and to actually get into the meat of the word and and if you will, uh, sharpen that sword. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, we just want to get in it and uh, help one another out, uh, feed from the great table of God. Um, also want to give a shout-out to my wife uh, her, and all of her lovely capacity. I thank God for her, for how she continues to encourage me and encourage uh, me in ministry and every other facet of my life. Um, want to give a shout-out to my, uh, my sons and uh, Mike Jr. and Eli uh, for just being there, for being able to uh, encourage a dad as well. And uh, I definitely want to give a shout-out to uh, my church family, Zion Apostolic over here in Petersburg, and my pastor, Pastor Susie, over there making things happen. want to give a shout-out to all of those that continue uh, to strive for excellence in ministry, and especially TPV. I, I want to give a shout-out for being able to be a part of this venue because great things are going to happen. And I love it that God is allowing us to lay down this groundwork uh, with all of these other great men of God on this call. So I just want to continue to say that and uh, forever grateful for that, forever grateful for that. And lastly, I want to give a shout-out to everybody who's listening, everybody who's listening out there. And uh, we'll continue to tune in and uh, tell others who continue to tune in, tell others to tune in, uh, that we might spread the word that the locker room is the place to be. Uh, and Jesus is the one you want to meet while you're in there. So let's continue to encourage one another, stay on top, man, because that's where you ought to be. So back to you. Amen, amen. Well, guys, here we go. It's fourth quarter. And I told the coaches to come to the come to the locker room today, ready to bring out all the strategy, ready to get down in the trenches with this, because we're going to talk about some things that, aren't necessarily normally talked about in, in, in a ministry setting, but they have a, a tremendous effect on society. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. And um, 
you know, before I get started, I just want to lay the groundwork with some prayer because we're going to tread through some things. We're going to put some demons on notice. We're going we're going we're going to we're going to hit the gates of hell with a sledgehammer today. And so I we need that covering as we do. Father, I just thank you this day, Lord, as we prepare to minister your word. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you take hold of this time, these airways, these ears that are listening, that you can prepare the hearts to receive this today. Because we are men, men with a purpose. We are men for a purpose. And that purpose is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we just ask, Lord, as we go through this today, this word that you've given us today, and as we minister this word, dear Father, we just ask, Lord, that it be an impact, not only those who are here, but in the communities, in society, all across the world. Our vision is to reach the world today with this, to bring it back to the standard that you set for mankind. And we want to come against anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Right now and pull it back Into submission is the blood Of the lamb that was Given for us that we could Have salvation and we could Be free so we just ask Holy Spirit to do your work Do your job we put hell on Notice right now we're coming We're coming out the gates and we're coming Strong this I thank and praise You in Jesus almighty name Amen Well coaches you know it was, uh, it was about a couple of weeks ago. I woke up, it was Sunday morning, and the Lord had just put on my heart, are you cultivating your garden? Now, at the time, coaches, I, I, I really didn't have anything with that. That's all I had. Are you cultivating your garden? And then he took me back to Genesis. He took me to Genesis. So if you got your Bibles out, you got them handy, you got them there where you can reach them, let's go to Genesis, the first chapter. This is where we're going to start. We're going to go to Genesis, the first chapter. Are you cultivating your garden? So we're going to get down to basics, but in that basics, we're going to hit some things that have been plaguing us men. We're going to hit some things that's been plaguing the society. We're going to hit some things that's been plaguing this world, not only in this time, but all through time. We're going to hit some heavy, heavy things today, and we want you to stay with us. Stay vocal in. Don't, don't, don't move because we're going, to, we're going to get it, and we're going to get it hard. But if you go to the first chapter and verse 26, we see God created man, it says, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind. I'm sorry, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and all, all, all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So I'm going to challenge you today. I want to just take this moment, and I want, I, want to, I want to ask you this question to those that are, listening, that are listening today. How are you cultivating your garden? How are you cultivating your garden? Because we see God created man in his image in verse 26. 
But coaches, I'm going to go around the table, and this is a thought that really intrigued me. And I want to get each coach's take on this. Why do you think God created man? Why Why do you think it was in his heart to create man? Coach Newton, what you got for him? Ooh. Well, I'll put it this way. I believe man was the first link to communication between himself, God's spirit, and the image or the creation, which we know as now, as man. Now, what was established between God and man was this word that we've all seem to have lost. It's called relationship and intimacy. And we've lost that. Now, this was the whole ideal of understanding who we are as men, how we need to operate as men, how we need to Mm -hmm. always speak with the Father before anyone else. Now, that has been lost since the fall, but at mm-hmm. what I'm saying is is that what makes this an interesting question, Coach D, is that I look back of all the things that I've done as a man, understanding what I did, what I didn't do, all the mistakes that I shouldn't have made, but I made, all these things. Mm-hmm stems from my lack of relationship not only with the natural man or my example some of us were blessed to have the natural man some of us Uh didn't so what I'm saying is this we have cut ties since the beginning and what God is doing now is doing things that's so unfamiliar. See, mm-hmm. with men, we are driven to succeed, or we are made to make things happen. Just right. notice how, in the last 20 years, how that motivation has been tainted by other images of what a man should be, what a man should not be. All these things mm. that have been coming out of the woodwork. And when you are a man that puts God before anything else, that's considered being weak. Uh-oh, let me get in trouble. Right. With that but mm. this is what's going on today. Sorry, but mm-hmm. it is. When you are putting God first in everything you do, then you're considered weak or less than. But this is what God designed from day one. Think about it. Come on. He wanted the man to always converse and speak with who? Him. So we have gotten used to having our Eve. In our lives. Now, I'm, I'm treading lightly 
on this because I'm not trying to say this to be offensive by no means. But what I am saying is we've made our eaves our gods, little G's. Let wow. me explain. Wow. See, because the relationship between God and man was never severed from sin. It was always developed based on real talk, one-on-one, we doing it, this is what I want from you, Adam, boom, bam, pow, let's execute it. Okay, I want you to name uh-huh. the, the the animals in the garden. I want you to name all the plants. I, okay, you did everything I asked of you. So let me uh-huh. reward you because you seem to be still alone. Now, I mm. see that you have a relationship with me, Adam, but you seem to be alone. So let me do mm. something for you, Adam. Since you put in the work, since you said it's me and God, we going ham and cheese, we going all in, let me reward you with this gift, a symbol of my affection. Here mm. comes Even. See, I'm going to get in trouble with this, Brother Don. You should have never asked me to come, come with the plays for this particular topic. Uh, folks going to get mad at me, but I'm used to it. See, we got to understand something. Am I saying having our eaves in our lives is a bad thing? That's not what I'm saying. But when we take our Eve and make her the big G, that's where the mm. problem is. See, I'm not saying don't do what you need to do to take care of your Eve or your spouse, but we've started doing we start moving the world for our Eve. We start going to the mountain, climbing to Mount Everest, knowing we out of shape, knowing we can't even hike up there, but we'll do it because of our Eve. But God is asking, will you have the same energy for me if I asked you wow. to climb wow. on Mount Everest? Will you cultivate your garden and your relationship with me if I ask you to? Now, wow. I'm going to stop there, Coach D, because we already got folks upset. <laughs> and I'm so used to getting kicked out the game, it's not even funny every time we're on the air. So I'm going to try not to get kicked out the game. I'm going to land my plane right there, but I got plenty more where that came from. But I yield the mic because I'm trying not to get kicked out. So, Coach, back to you. Hey, man, you ain't got to you ain't gotta worry about not only getting kicked out. Uh, we're going to see some black SUVs roll up to the door here because we're going to – we're gonna hit them from all angles today. We're gonna we we're gonna be nonstop with this. I'm telling you, we're gonna get the truth out. And sometimes the truth isn't easy, guys that are listening. Sometimes the truth rubs against the grain of what's politically correct or sociably tolerable, but it's the truth. When John the Baptist was in the wilderness. He wasn't worried about being politically correct. He was shouting to the top of his lungs, repent. He was calling them all sinners, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we're, we're unapologetic here today with the truth. We're, we're not going to tiptoe around this thing today. We're going to stomp right all on it. 
But Coach Andy, check this out. God is so big. He could attend it, name, took care of everything by himself. But he decided to create men. Why? Talk to the guy. Well, uh, you know, in Isaiah, it tells us that uh, uh, Isaiah 43 it says that he created us and formed us that we might proclaim his praise and we would worship mm. and praise him. And uh, mm. that is really, you know, our first and primary. And then, um, you know, the second thing that I see that we're created for is in Ephesians 2.10, it says we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, yes. which yes. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and this is what's neat about that verse is god created it beforehand so it's not like when you were born you were created those works those works were created for you before you were born before you know before the world was created god created us not just to bring glory and honor to him and to praise him but he brought us to do good works and uh so it's if we walk in that, um, we've got such a destiny, each and every person, and uh, if they would get uh, uh, avoid the temptation to make this world first and the uh, carrier's world first, and uh, be on. deceived by the enemy that tells them that they're not worth anything. So many people don't feel like they've got any ability, but the truth is, if we just sat every morning focused on the Lord and said, Lord, your works that you've prepared for me beforehand, I walk yes. in those today. And the thing Ooh. is, I think our we don't understand the whole preparation thing. The preparation is everything you needed. So, you mm. know, if you're called to be in a missionary, a missionary, or if you're called to whatever you're called to, Mm-hmm. All of those things, from the vehicle you're going to use, from the place you're going to live, to the funding to do it, it's all prepared. If you're going to do a logistics and send somebody to do some work that you want them to do, a good work that God has prepared beforehand, our God is the perfect planner. He has everything in order so that as you walk in it, you don't have to worry about it. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not a lot of work to walk in his. It's the sacrifice that it takes to do it. But the work is easy. Mm-hmm. He's already prepared in advance. So that's uh, why I think he uh, he created us to do his work. <laughs> and he, he put people in his world that we can work and serve together. Because you know what? The truth is we co-labor with one another. So there's right. jobs out there that we can't do by ourselves. Um, I couldn't yeah. do what I do by myself, and I'm so thankful I've got you to help. I've got Coach Small to encourage. Um, you know, Coach Coleman, I love hearing just Thursday nights and uh, Mighty Men Training. I mean, mm-hmm. all of these people pour into my life so I can do something and uh, – I I would be so much worse off if those people weren't created as well with the good works that he prepared beforehand for them. So 
Yeah, it's a neat, neat thing when you think about it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know, Coach Coleman, man, God is so awesome. And he created everything. He created the heavens, the earth, everything that we see. But he decided to allow this knucklehead named Coach D to walk the earth. He created him, knowing he would transgress, knowing he would have so many issues and problems, waiting for him to get it right. Seemed like he's never going to get it right. Why did he create man if man has got so many problems? Come on, Coach Coleman, straighten him out. All right, there we go. I got it to work. Listen, I, I think sometimes we see things in, in one dynamic when God sees things uh, almost like a kaleidoscope. Uh, the question would become, did God become love after man's sin or was God love before man's sin? Uh, so if we looked at that in, in true perspective, we'd understand that in his love, he already knew what we would need before we needed it. And he had already prepared a way of escape for us. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he already had a plan for us. And he, he is so great and so graceful uh, in his ways that he already knew what he needed to do before he started the plan. Mm. Since we're talking about him being the greatest planner, he didn't just become loved because we became sinful. He was already loved before we became sinful. And because of this, he, he already knew what, what was needed. So I'm grateful just for that because these are good questions. Uh, God said, you know, in spite of what you would do wrong, I know what I can do right to make you right. So let me, let's, let's just get this right already. So I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for him being able to extend his plan of salvation unto us that we might see what it's like to be redeemed. And know what right. it's like to be his workmanship, as Coach Andy said. That is so powerful to understand that God would, would partner with us. He doesn't have to partner with us, but he would Amen. choose to partner with us, even as he had Adam to part, partner with Eve. So in like fashion, in Revelation, we see that God gets married. We see that the bride, which is the church, comes to God in its purest fashion, never, ever leaving his side again. So we get to experience the power and the immense joy that comes with being in his presence and the love of God that continues to comfort us and complete us. I'm going to say that it to comfort us and complete us. And I thank mm. God for that. So it, it, he, he wanted to make it a completed work. And I am grateful because I know uh, we might not want to think about it, but God apparently created us for a purpose. And apparently his purpose was to actually be a part of him. And he wouldn't see it any other way. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, Lord, I'm going to go somewhere with that right there, but I, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there because, oh, no, 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 it means to me that God saw that there was a need for him, and the need for him was us. Yeah. In spite of what That's it would good. take for him to get us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we say God doesn't need anything, but he wouldn't just create it. He, we can't say that God doesn't need anything and turn around and say he doesn't do anything on purpose. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 so I think he really he really had a desire, a strong desire for man. If he were able to lay down his life and go through the pain just to redeem us. So, um, you know, 
I, I ain't, I'm not trying to say I'm all in the bag of chips, but apparently he loved me a whole lot. I think he loved you too. <laughs> that's why he created you. How about that? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Man, this is good stuff, Coach. See, because, you know, listen, guys, this is what we, I want to get out because we're in a world today where society wants to make you insignificant. They want to belittle you. They want to beat you down. Just because you're a man and you have standards and they don't follow the standards or the status quo, when you take the discipline and the faith you have to raise up a standard to say, I am not or no, I won't, they want to beat you down. They, they want to belittle you. They want to call you all kind of names. They want to label you. They want to tag you. They want to shut you up. But, see, God created man in his, in his heart first. Man was already there. Man was already there. And God loved man so much in his heart, he said, you know what, I'm going to share some of the managerial responsibilities that I have over what I created here on earth. And I'm going to take this thing called man, and I'm going to do it with. See, because if you look at in verse uh, 27, it says, So God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. See, because the thing is, now catch this now, catch this. God says, I'm going to love them. I love them so much. I'm going to give them, put a little piece of me in them to help them rule and have dominion over this place called earth. Because now we go to chapter 2, and it starts and says, now we, we know Genesis 1, and chapter 2 it starts out and says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Now, he's created everything. He just set everything in play. He's had everything orchestrated and already put together waiting for you. Waiting for you. See, how do I know that? Because verse 2 says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he has done. Now, let me give a little backdrop here. When God created earth, he created everything with a transformational process to it. The season, the, the, the time, everything has a transformational process. So it's like a perpetual motion. When he done it, when he created it from the beginning, that was it. It was done. It's going to perpetuate, be in a perpetual state that continues to go on. And he says, you know what? This is what I'm going to do because I love this man. I love what I created so much. He says in, in verse 7, uh, that's when he said, And the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and a man became a living being. Now, you were, you were in his heart. You, he created you in his heart. Now you're a living being. And this is what he did because he's rested from everything. He, he, everything was finished and done. From that point in time until history, October 30th, 2021, it was done. But God planted, in verse 8, a garden east of Eden where he put man whom he have formed. Now, this is where we go back to the title. How are you cultivating your garden? 
Because, see, Eden was created. If you look at Eden, we can look at it as, as, as a place. We, we can look at it as, as a, 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 you know, like a, a little garden if we want. But more importantly, Eden was your sphere of influence, of dominion, and authority. See, that's what the thing was about. It. That's the key there. He placed you in this position where he could commune with you, and as Coach Newton says, have that relationship with you and be intimate with you in your area of dominion and influence, your Eden. And he expected you to take care of it. But there's one word, coaches. There's one word, and I want I want I want to get your take on why this word is important. And what's been lost with this? There's one word in all of this that we very seldom hear in the body of Christ today. Is Coach Newton stewardship? He said to you here. To cultivate that you could be a good steward of what he has. So why is that important, Coach Newton? Why is it important to understand stewardship, sir? You have the floor. Ooh. See, I know I'm touching all just, on the right buttons today. <laughs> you trying you trying to get me ejected from the game again. <laughs> But see, I'm going I'm, I'm to try to be nice. See, okay. You can't be nice Stewardship. today. Come on, let him have it. <laughs> oh. See, stewardship, that has always been one of our anchors. This is what makes us men of God. This is what makes us who we are as men but again we've kind of lost that along the way because we've allowed other things to be lord in our lives and we settled for less trouble. we we settled for it's okay just for me to sit on the couch all day long and watch the football game. Oh, don't 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 shoot the messenger. Uh it's okay <laughs> to just not take my responsibility as a man because see society says and see this is the problem. Instead of us listening to the source, to the example of stewardship. <laughs> We look to other folks for that guidance. So if my daddy did it this way and my daddy's daddy did it this way, then I should be doing it this way. Well, we always have this thing with generations, right? There's always one in the bunch that always wants to be the change, the voice of reason, the one we call the black sheep of the family, the one we call the one that's unruly, the one we call that don't want to follow 
the rules. See, stewardship is important. As men, we understand that as we grow our relationship with God, we tend to start dropping off all those bad byproducts. Oops. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But it's true. (laughs) We drop off all these byproducts of what we thought stewardship was. See, what I've learned in this relationship with Christ, not religion, not because I go to church every Sunday, when I learned this relationship of Christ, I learned what it was like to be a man of God, for real. See, because it's okay to present God with what you lack in. Uh-oh. I'm not supposed to do mm. that. I'm a strong mm. man. I have all the tools I need. Well, I thought that too. Like I, I didn't want nobody telling me what I'm supposed to do. How am I supposed to stay steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the word of the Mm -hmm. Lord, right? But I was always being steadfast, immovable in my own will, in my own way. I was being a good steward in my own ideology from what I saw Mm -hmm. Uncle Benny used to do or even my own blood father i saw all these examples of stewardship and i thought that's how i was supposed to be but see what messed us up gentlemen was in the very beginning when we chose our flesh over our relationship Uh oh i'm gonna get mad with people gonna get mad with this one but see what messed us up is that we chose our flesh over our relationship which caused the fall which caused all the complications and why we can't be good stewards of the faith why we can't be good men of god why can't we be all these things that god established from day one because we lost our relationship with christ and now with all the damage that has been done can we still have hope? Absolutely. See, it's not about your will, gentlemen. It's about his will be done in your life. See, once we give up the ego and pride, gentlemen, we can be good stewards. We can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, not the work of my job. Uh oh, I'm sorry. Not the work of my six figure salary. Uh oh, I'm sorry. Not the work of my Mercedes outside the parking lot. No. In the work of the Lord. Because, see, God will give all that stuff to you. See, He gave Eve to Adam because that's what He desired to have a companion. Someone to share all this with. But he chose his flesh over everything. 
which cause why we do things as sin. We choose the flesh over everything, and we wonder why we get stuck like Chuck can't evolve or can be. We can't even get stronger in our relationship with God because we traded it all for a thrill. In trouble. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Y'all can kick me out the game now. Oh, sorry. All right. It's okay. All right. Well, I, I just got to keep it real, Coach D. We got to understand something that we have to understand who we are. We have been the lifeline, the communication. God and man has always had that special relationship. He always wanted to go hard when it came to the men, but we always wanted to put him as our side piece. Uh-oh. We always wanted to put him as the last. We, we, we never wanted to put him as our first, and that's why we can't be steadfast, because we want to continue to do our own thing without consorting or without going to our source, our lifeline, our judge, mm. our jury, our executioner, the man that will go to bat for us regardless of how jacked up we treated him. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our King. Hallelujah. I'm dropping the mic because I'm about to kick myself <laughs> out the game. So back to you, Coach D. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, guys. Let's keep hitting it, man. We're going to. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna put every demon in this in in the area on notice today. He will not have control no more over the men that are listening to this. Amen. Coach Andy, I pulled out one of your favorite scriptures. We talked about this several times and and you know, it's just amazing. And I got a question. I'm gonna read the scripture and I got a question. The guys got a question on the floor that they want you to break down. Now, the scripture I'm going to read is Psalm 24, 1 through 3. It says, The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who, who may ascend into, unto the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? Now, Coach, last, we see God created man. And we're talking about stewardship, and men are supposed to cultivate and take care of the things around them. Why aren't we doing that, Coach Andy? Why are we so caught up in looking at everybody else's, what they're doing, and not focusing in um, on what we should be doing? Go ahead, Coach Andy. You have the floor. Well, you know, I'm thinking about that, and I think it goes all the way back to the garden. And – you know, this whole uh, thing that the Lord put on your heart about are we stewarding our garden? You know, it would be the enemy and our flesh says, is it really uh, good enough just to do the work that God has predestined for you to do? You know, like we were talking earlier, you've got work that's predestined for you to do. That's That's what you're to steward. We are to steward and guard that work and to do that work faithfully to bring glory and honor to him and to accomplish the things he's asked us to do. But the world and people around us and the enemy is going to go, 
is that really all you're supposed to do? Can you do other stuff? Can you, and we get distracted by getting off mission. You know, we decide to do side missions, (laughs) kind of things like that. And uh, um, we end up uh, outside of the will of God, outside of our um, stewardship. And uh, Mm -hmm. kind of fish out of water you know we're supposed to be stewarding and doing the work that he's called us to do and so it's really if we would just stay focused on him keep our eyes on him i know i've heard people say before that you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good and i really Mm. have a problem with that i think that we need to reword that as to be so heavenly minded that you're earthly incredible that Jesus was heavenly minded. <laughs> he went around and did awesome work, and he only did what his father, he saw his father do. And I think we're supposed to be doing that as well. And uh, we could absolutely be, you know, it says that those who know their God will do mighty works. Um, Amen. Will be strong and do mighty works. And so that is really, uh, you know, and the promise, the thing is, I think a lot of people have unbelief that the, that God actually has an awesome, amazing plan, and that His plan is actually the best. We get enticed by the cares of this world and by the lust of the flesh, and mm-hmm. we don't realize what we lose in the process. And it's something that's got to be caught and not necessarily taught or demonstrated. You know, as parents, it's really important to demonstrate to our kids that. Hey, this is a better way, you know. And uh, but the lust of the flesh, the cares of the world, will try to draw us away from that mission, and we lose so much in the process. Hey, man, good stuff, coach. Good stuff. And, and you know that, man. That's it. You know, we get so caught up in in this thing in the cares of the world. We get so caught up in the lust of the of, of what our flesh wants And we let others dictate To us how to cultivate How to steward What God has given us And then we run in We wonder why it's not working for us Now I, I'm not saying that from something that, that, that I heard I'm saying that from something that I've experienced I know I let other people Tell me how to cultivate Rather than going back To my place getting alone And having the father show me how to cultivate and I wonder why it's so hard. I'm wondering why it's so stressful. See, because God told Adam when Adam fell, he said, look, what you used to discern, you're going to have to learn now because I'm taking you out of this place where we met, where we were here on a daily basis talking and conversating, and I was discerning to you how to cultivate these things that are around you. But because you got caught up, and the lust of the flesh, you're going to have to learn this now. And this learning is going to cause you hard work, sweat, and it's going to cause you trouble. And I love the way Coach Andy brought that back around, that we have to, the only person that can tell you how to cultivate what in what's in your eating is the Father as you spend time with him. Jesus is the way, the only one that can give you instructions and give you and show you an example how to cultivate your eating. And I'm going to point that out to you. Me and Coach Coleman is going to point that out here to you. 
Coach Coleman, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Revelation four and eleven. Revelation four and eleven. So if you're out there listening, we're gonna be in Revelation four verse eleven, and I'm reading out of the King James. I was previously reading out of the New King James, but I'm gonna read this one out of the King James. And it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Coach Coleman, in order to understand stewardship, how important is it to understand lordship? Break it down for him, Coach. Yes, it, uh, it is keenly important to understand who or what belongs to who. Uh, it is, it, without a shadow of a doubt, um, <laughs> sometimes we in this walk can get our vantage points misconstrued and find ourselves looking at uh, some of the things that we have through our own eyes as if they belong to us. But when you get into an understanding of what lordship is and what it really means to rule, you will come to a greater understanding of how God expects things to be executed and how you then fall in line with what he has uh, intended for your life. Um, in doing so, you will be able to execute his will, and in his, executing his will, you'll be able to operate in his grace even the more, and you'll be graced for it because you understand everything flows from the Father. Everything flows from the Father. And once you understand that, you know that all things. So you know, I, I'll put it in, in a better uh, way. You, you're trying to have, uh, at one point in time, ask one of our older saints, older men, and said, hey, can you, you know, how do I grow oranges in Virginia? And uh, mm-hmm. he, he laughed at me. He said, you, you can't grow oranges in Virginia. Listen, sometimes you're trying to grow things in areas where your master doesn't want you to grow them, where your father doesn't want you to grow them. You're trying to plant seeds in places. But when you understand his lordship, you won't go back to him and say, why can't I do this here? He'll, uh, you'll understand that there is a plan and a purpose. And if you execute it according to his lordship, you, you will be at peace with knowing that it is good. It is good for you. It is good for the way that he's prepared for you. And you will run your race. And I'm going to take this back, if you don't mind. I'm going to take this back to Hebrews 12 and 1. Can we go there real quick? Absolutely. Hebrews, for those listening, Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. Uh, and I'm going to read this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw off mm. everything. When you understand the lordship of Christ, you understand that sin is whatever is not his will for you. It is not his purpose for you. The latter part of that is simply this, and let us run, the, run with perseverance or endurance the race that is marked out for us, stay in your lane. Understand that if you stay in your lane, that he's already marked it out for you. Don't look over to somebody else who's running and try to compare your life to them because often comparison 
is a thief of joy. And when you understand his lordship, you will be well satisfied and you will be able to be a great steward in his kingdom because you know he will cause everything that is in your hands to prosper. You just have to do it to, according to his rule and his way. And I will, I will again extend my hand to you to know that you're grateful much more. Stay in your lane. Watch how things can grow. I'm promising you that. I promise you that. So, yes, stewardship mm. is, is, is key in understanding who's in charge and how you can please the one that's in charge. I'm right back to you. Good stuff, coaches. Man, I told you, we we are, oh, man, this is good stuff, good stuff. Well, coaches, we hit that mark, and and we we set the groundwork, and this is where we're going to turn the corner. So lock the doors, uh, listening out there. I want you to get ready because we're going to enter in right now some truths that mainstream, watered-down, itching-eared gospel is not going to give you. This is the truth. And the reason the Lord had me set it up this way, guys, and he was directing me is because I think there's a resounding consensus today that God created us in his image. And God gave us a, a, a managerial position here on earth for his glory. See, because it's like this, you know, and this is the best analogy I can give for those that are listening. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalms 24 tells us that. So he owns everything. He is the owner. He, 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 he created it. He bought it. He owns it. Lock, stock, and barrel. But he gives us the opportunity to manage it. It's just like one of these um, real estate moguls that has all these properties. They hire a manager, see, because they own it, but they give the manager, the manager of those properties, the rights and authority in represent, representing them in a lot of the decisions that are going on, such as paying, collecting rent, fixing things up making sure everything is, is up to par. But those managers don't own it, but they operate in the authority of the owner. And that's kind of like where we're at right now here on earth. God, God set us here to be owners that operate in the authority of his management company. You can say God is the, the real estate mogul and he owns the earth, and we are to be his management company here to oversee it. Now check this out. Here we go. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and the 19th and 21st. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, 19 and 20. And this is where it's going to get heavy. Verse 19 starts out, oh, do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. I'm going to read verse 20 again. 
For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Now, God owns everything, including you, including me, including the coaches. And what we see today is a lowering standard of that ownership and how we're treating what God has created. I get so caught up, sick and tired, however you want to put it, because we live in an hour in this day where you don't necessarily have to be a man if you don't feel like being a man. That ain't what my Bible says. My Bible says God created man and he created woman. Now, how am I going to cultivate my garden if I say that I'm a woman, but I look like a man? Or I alter my body as a man to look like a woman and still want to walk in love, dominion, and authority? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We've allowed this to get so far out of line to the point where Conversations like this are being, they come against it, the truth. And it's the truth. I'm reading the word of God. If you believe the word of God and to believe it's the truth, and I know God's not a liar, and I'm reading straight from his word, then it's got to be the truth. But coaches, why do we see so much perversion today when it comes to the point where God has really designed and created us to be managers. He, he put everything in motion the way he wanted, but a lot of society said that's not good enough. I want to be who I want to be. I'm going to do what I want to do, and God's going to bless it anyway. Coach Newton, what happened, man? Break it down for us. Uh, I don't think you really want me to answer that question. Coach Come on, D, Coach. but I didn't put it out you, there already. I didn't put it out there. <laughs> well, when we started trading what true value was for self-indulgence, not only in the world we live, but in what we watch, even in some not all, some of our churches have done as well. See, the standard has been downgraded by another doctrine, which we don't have time for me to go into, but this doctrine that we have walked into is allowing us to be bandwagon believers. Uh oh. Or bandwagon men. Uh oh. So, since this is a coaching format, I'll put it in this light. Since you are a team, let's say you're a Dallas fan. Okay, don't bite my head off. But if Dallas isn't winning this year, and you see another team. Like the New York Giants. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to hear about that. But anyway, so 
we have this thing, Coach D. Like we like to change our teams, like we change our shirt, or mm. we like to change where we fellowship or where we go to church at, because the other church caters to my flesh more than this church. So I call those bandwagon believers because they are with you when the roses smell fresh and the team is winning. We're walking in the overflow. But as soon as the challenge of God comes in the house and makes you look in the mirror and you realize that you ain't as pretty as you thought you were or you are as debonair as you thought you were, sir, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. like to go to the other team. Gotten so used to this cookie-cutter, cookie two-minute microwave faith stuff that when we're challenged to do the right thing, we are always told we're crazy, lost our mind, because it's not popular. Uh-oh. So what you're saying, Coach Newton, is is that I got to stop going to the pool hall with my boys and we drinking 40 ounces, getting all out our mind. And then I could come home at 3 o'clock in the morning and make it to church service at 9 a.m. And you're telling me I have to hold a standard? Now, you good. I'd rather go to the other church where it's popular for me to still do that stuff I want to do and still keep a low-key, minimal presence of me being a man of God and have to be accountable for my actions. Uh-oh. I call that the bandwagon believer. See, this is what's going right. on, Coach D. We like yes. to change our teams so much. I don't want Coach Mike to keep me on my toes. I don't want Coach D to keep me on my toes because I'm feeling some kind of way. You need to understand where I'm coming from. I'm a man, and I'm going to do what a man is going to do. We all remember that statement, right? We all yeah. ran in those groups, right? We all did what a man is going to do, right? But if we all do a, an assessment, we'll realize that we lost a whole lot more than we thought by doing what if a, what a man's gonna do? What a man's gonna do? We've lost a lot by making those decisions. But see, most of us is too macho, or we got a title in front of our name, so we don't want to put our stuff out there in the street. Cause I have a reputation to maintain. You can't tell me nothing. Coach D, you can't 
I have churches in five locations. I can do what I want to do because I am a man of God, not God, God. Two different anointings, two different levels, and that's a whole nother show for me to break that down. But I'm going to close with this. See, we get so caught up on all this stuff. We made it so easy to flip-flop teams. We made it so easy to cop out when it's hard. We made it so easy to pop a pill when we feel some kind of way. We made it so easy to go to the liquor store and get ourselves drunk silly because it's accessible. But the whole time, coaches, our father has been sitting right there and we chose not to listen because a man do what a man gonna do and i'm done back to you coach d amen amen are you cultivating your garden and we're on this series and coach newton broke it down perfectly you know it's too many I call it the Burger King Fellowship, you know, where where we want to have it our way. You know, we, we, we think we get to pick and choose and cherry pick what we want and don't want, and and, and, and we think that God's going to bless that. And, and what we do ultimately is at our demise in the cultivation of our garden. We, how can you cultivate? See, the thing about about cultivation, and I want you to get this. I want you to grab this. When you cultivate, you only don't promote growth of what you have there. But part of that cultivation process, part of that stewardship is to remove what doesn't belong and protect that which is growing. So we've gotten so far off the beaten path of what cultivating is supposed to be as men in the community that we are letting society run rampant with weeds. I'm trying to think, and Andy can help me out here, Coach Andy. There's this weed, this invasive weed that is incredibly hard to kill. It starts with a W, I think, Coach Andy. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? The uh, It grows wild. It's a very invasive weed, and, and it's hard to kill. Hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to think what the one you'd be uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah, it'll come to me. But see, the thing is, these problems and these things, when we turn on the television, when you turn on your social media feed, when you turn on or open the, the uh, well, nobody hardly reads newspapers anymore, but when you, whatever news medium you get, you know, you see all these things in society today. This is an invasive problem. And this invasive problem comes rooted out of the flesh. See, because what happens is we as men, and God created us, because he said in Genesis, let them have dominion over everything, the fish, the birds, the creepy crawly things, whatever's in on the earth, they have the dominion. That means they have the managerial authority that I'm giving them here on earth. But see, with that comes the standard, Coach Andy. We have to have the standard of the owner. See, we can't go as a manager and go against what the owner's standards is and be a good manager. 
You can't. That's just like on your job. You, you, everybody's got a manager. And if the company sets the standard and you're managing within that company, you have to follow the standard that they set. You just can't go do your own thing. And that's why I see today, and that's what really hurts me. And before you start trying to label me or any of the coaches here uh, today as being homophobe, transphobe, disphobe, that phone, any label, we're not saying that because we have the love of Christ in us. But what we do see is the root, not the people. We see the root of the issue. That's what we come against. And we know all this, 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 this trans running rapid, this LBGTQ running rapid, all these committees or, or, or whatever you call them running rapid in society today. It's the root that we're after. We do, the people we, we love, we have the love of Christ is because I believe that anybody has the ability to be saved. Because I was just as backwards as two left shoes at one point in my life. But Jesus came and knocked on my door, and I answered, and I said, I want you to be my Savior. So no matter what you're in or where you're at in it, you can be saved, point blank. But the root is what we are to cultivate as men, as managers, as stewards on this earth. Now, Coach Andy, you know, we read 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. How do you think people lost sight of that, that their body is the holy temple, and now they feel like they own it and they can do whatever they want? We got guys out here that's wondering and asking, how do you, What's the best way to raise that standard in my family and in my community to break down 1 Corinthians 6 and 20? Go ahead, sir. You have the floor. Well, Coach D, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, strikes me on this verse uh, 19 and 20 is that this is actually written to believers. So what we need to do is differentiate that we can't expect what we see in the world to line up with this. But what, you, what people do is they forget that when they accept the lordship of Christ in their life and they surrender their life to Christ, then they become subject. They are bought as Christ. The price that was paid was Christ's blood and his sacrifice for us. And so as we, we can choose not to be bought by a price and we can choose to uh, be separated from God. But what happens is as believers, we we are bought at a price. We surrender our lives. We crucify our flesh and become one with Christ and Christ in us, the hope of glory. We, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. But so that's one of the things I wanted to point out is people look out and they say, well, nobody else is doing this. And, you know, we can't expect unbelievers to act like uh, believers. But if we have given our life, if we understand that we are sinners and that uh, we're separated from God and we've chosen to make him our Lord, then all of a sudden, 19 and 20 are absolutely ours. We are, we do not own our body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we've been bought at a price. And what happens is I think Christians look 
there's a couple of distractions, the worldly distractions, the lust of the flesh that we just we look at and we say, well, you know, they're getting away with it. Why can't I? And uh, it uh, it attracts. You know, one of the things I think I might have figured out which weed you were talking about. It's called wisteria. Is one that grows wisteria. around my place a lot. Yeah. And and yeah. what's neat about that weed is it actually looks nice in the spring. It's got these pretty flowers on it, and it grows in these vines. But eventually, it'll kill the tree. If you let that grow on a tree, eventually it can choke out a tree and kill it. But it looks pretty, and you'll let it grow in the spring. And if you let it get out of control, it'll kill you. And so we... Wow. You know, as we, uh, you know, Christians, basically that's what happens. We get led away by the lust of the flesh. You know, we get led away by the world and the glitter and the glare and the prettiness of the thing. And we don't understand that it leads to death and destruction and separation from God. And uh, if we would work on preserving that temple, keeping it clean, you know, the enemy will say, well, do you have to keep it 100% clean? Can't you just uh, do a little bit of sin? Or can't you let a little bit of leaven into the, your life? Or a little bit of Hollywood? Something like that. You know, how much How much do you let in? And I've, I'll be honest with you, I lived most of my life that way. I lived it on a fence where... I would live up to other people. I would look at the pastor of the church and I'd say, well, he's allowing himself to do this so I can allow that in my life. Instead of holding wow. up the perfect scripture, the perfect image of Christ. And so how does a good Christian stay pure? You stay in the word. The way we see our image of Christ is in the word because he's the word that was made flesh. So as we keep our minds and hearts on the word of God and as we meditate on his word day and night, we will keep that temple clean and we will see the perfect image of who we are to be in Christ. And uh, back at you, Coach. Hey, man, that's good stuff, Coach. I love it. I love it. Wisteria. And, you know, that's an interesting point. And and, and it it just really hit me really hard, Coach Andy, how – that wisteria, you know, the blooms on it is, is so pretty when it comes up and you just think it's part of the landscape and you just really want to enjoy it till it runs rampant and before you know it, it's been choked the life out of whatever it has, kills it. That sounds familiar, guys, out there. Sometimes things oh, that, yeah. that we don't think is is, is going to gonna hurt us that bad, you know, maybe that casual uh, conversation around the water cooler with that young lady at work. It starts out, you think, innocent enough, and, and, and it continues on and continues on. Before you know it, it's been caught you, in, and now you're in a situation that you really don't know how you got there, per se, but you're there, you know. And and those are the things that we're going to have to work on. And in this series, Cultivating, we're going to shore up those things, how and, you know, sometimes it may have been hard for you. And, and, and the first thing is to be honest. It's hard to turn down a good conversation with a nice-looking young lady. It's hard not to to want to do the wrong thing when you know you should be doing the right thing. You know, sometimes it's hard to make that decision. 
But this series on cultivating, that's what it's about. It's about making godly choices and godly timing that you can cultivate the garden that you have. And what I'm talking about is your sphere of influence. Because, see, when you don't cultivate it, just like that wisteria, it, it destroys things. It destroys things that you want. Destroys things that you worked hard to plant and take care of, and you know, and, and the same first natural then spiritual, with the family structure. Now you wonder why your kids are are going haywire. Now you wonder why you and the wife are always having problems and issues. You wonder why you're having issues on the job. So you know, this is going to be a good series for you to just dig down in and take notes that you can start listening and understanding what cultivating your garden is, that you can make those godly choices in God's timing for your life. But Coach Coleman, man, this this thing is getting hot and heavy, hot and heavy. And and the thing that we, we want to, I want you to touch on to the guys uh, today that may be listening, because they might be, a little heartbroken. They may not have been cultivating the way that they should, and we're going to start walking them down this path to be good cultivators. What's the first step you think that they can do to start cultivating their garden where they haven't been? Go ahead, Coach Coleman. You got the floor. Um, man, first I want to say, wow, this has been good. This has been good for everybody. Um, it's good. It's really good information. I want to I want to get to your question by by saying this: um, get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline by decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get an understanding. Proverbs four. If you want to turn there, Proverbs four. Five through seven, Proverbs four, five through seven. You know, I, I, I'll add this to it: is that there's an old saying that uh, "learn and live, learn and live." But if you read Proverbs four, you'll begin to understand that is not God's plan. God's plan is, mm. excuse me, the old saying was "live and learn, live and learn." See, I've already programmed myself to know what it's supposed to be. Ain't that right? <laughs> uh, live and learn. There's the old saying: "Live and learn," and you get some bumps and bruises along the way. But if you read Proverbs 4, you realize it's supposed to be learn and live, learn and live. It is, it, is so mo- it is so good to learn instruction, to get instruction, to thirst for instruction. And then once you get instruction, go execute. And I do know that, you know, honestly, we have sometimes put the cart before the horse and We've decided that we wanted to do something so quick, and we wanted to make haste to get there. And uh, But, you know, that's not God's plan for us. God's plan for us is to strategize, to learn about something. Even the scriptures tell us if we want to cultivate our wives, is that you might um, live with your wives uh, according to knowledge. It's the understanding that you have to learn these things. Just like that, that older gentleman taught me that I can't grow oranges in Virginia. If I didn't know it, then I would have tried to go plant some orange seeds and tr- and been disappointed as to what I had done wrong. I don't care what soil you use. The, the atmosphere, the atmosphere, the environment is not conducive to grow that. But I would have spent my time, wasted my time 
trying to make something work that would not work. So I'm going to say that, you know, just to, just to further in-depth answer your question, and I almost missed this point because I think I heard Co- Coach Andy touch on it. Listen, the other part is that if you are a coach on a team, that doesn't mean you're the owner of the team. Come on. Yeah, so oh. The, the, oh, the owner can do whatever the owner wants to do. You could you could be the coach and you could call it my team every time you sit down and the press is talking to you, but you did not buy that team. You don't own that team. You can't make up the rules on the field. You can't you can't do it. You can't do it. You are you must understand your role and the role you play. And if you play that role to its nth degree, you will be rewarded. By doing so, so you have to cultivate. You have to cultivate your, your your team, your players on that team. You have to find out their strengths and their weaknesses, and put those who are strong with those who are weak, and help them to bear to bear their infirmities, and understand that it is necessary to do these things that both of them may grow strong together. So I, I, I will say that this is it's, it is paramount. For any success that you would learn what you're working with. There's another scripture that says, know them that labor among you. Know them that labor among you. Coming into the, the understanding that you're going to have to be able to know what is good for some people and give them all the good. And if necessary... Sometimes you might be able to uh, give them a, a, a pruning. That's, I think it's John 15, John 15, the 15th chapter of John, where even Christ said that even while you're growing strong, there's a pruning time. There's a, there's a time where you would, you would be pruned away that you might bring forth more fruit. So it's important to know when it's time to cut, when it's time to tell them to come back, when it's time to set things up. If you are a coach on the team, you will know that you can't have certain things happening around certain individuals. So you have to know this, men. And I know it sounds like a lot, but you're up to it. I know it sounds like work, and you can do it. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you learn to dig around a plant and you learn how to put the right fertilizer around a plant and you learn to pull up the weeds around a plant and you learn how to make sure it's in the right season for the plant. Oh, I'm going to say that again. You learn to make sure it's the right mm-hmm. season for the plant. Right? You will do what must be done in order to, in, to ensure that you see a great harvest coming forth. And I believe even Christ said the, the fields are already white. So there are some yeah. people out there that need, they need you to come on out. They need you to come on out because they've been waiting for somebody to listen to me. They've been waiting for a strong man of God to come out and Mm -hmm. tell them it's time to get in the game. They've been waiting for somebody to pull them up off the bench and tell them it's time to get in the game. But, but Coach, I don't think you're good for it. You're good for it. Run this play. Run this play. Run this play. And if you take them up and you show them what to do, if if they fall down, tell them, guess what? Failure is part of it. Failure is Amen. part of success. Tell them failure Amen. is part of success. Yes, you will fail. You will fail. You didn't run the route the way I expected you to run the route. Let's look at the film. Come on. We need to work this out together 
So at the end yes, of the sir. day, you have tremendous potential. It just needs to be tapped into, and it needs to be cultivated. So I'm just going to say that, and I'm going to shut down real quick, y'all. Back Amen. to you. Good stuff, man, and and that's what it's about, you know. We look. If you're listening here today, it's not by accident. You are mm-hmm. God ordained to hear this today. This message is for you. You are somebody. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care what you've done. You are somebody, and you have a purpose. And this message, this teaching here today, and this series is just for you. You may have been stumbling around and you've been maybe to say, I can't get it right. Seems like no matter what I do, I'm always stumbling, bumping my head, bruising my knees, and, you know, it's just too hard, so I give up. No, that's a lie from the pits of hell, and we come against it collectively together as a coaching staff here today to say that you are somebody. You are going to make it. You're going to have a purpose, and you're going to hear this, this series, and you're going to have a testimony and you're going to come back and reach out to each and every one of these coaches and say, God did it. God did it. And that's what we know. We all have that much faith in you to know that God can do it. See, because the first step, and we want to leave this with you before we get out of here, and each of the coaches is going to touch on it. The first step of cultivating is if you want a, a technique, you know, because like, um, I'm not a gardener. I, I know a couple of guys, a couple of coaches, they, they have the green thumb. They love to garden and stuff. I'm not one of them. But I know that there's techniques to cultivating. There's techniques to anything. There's techniques that are basically the fundamentals to help you. And if you follow these techniques, and that's why they're called techniques, you'll never go wrong. See, and that's what Coach Newton brought out early. This isn't a Burger King type a message. This is coming straight out of the word of God. This is the truth. This is the technique. You follow this. God is true to his word. You follow this, and it's going to work out for you. The first rule of thumb or technique to any cultivation is obedience. You have to follow the word of God. You have to believe that it's true and follow it as it says. That's where your faith comes in when you walk it out because you know or believe it to be true. Now, I'm going to give you an example in the Word of God. We're going to pull out my old buddy Saul. You know, my Saul, buddy Saul, we, we used him several, several examples of what you can do good and what you can do bad. But I want to bring your attention to 1 Samuel 15. And, and, and I want to show you this. And obedience is the very first thing in your sphere of influence, having your dominion in your Eden, cultivating your Eden. Now, if you know, you may or may not know, but Saul was anointed to be king over Israel by God. And Saul had many successful years as king, and he was really devoted to serving God. But then there was something started to happen along the way. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what it was, but something happened along the way. And in 1 Samuel 15, we see, uh, I'm not going to read the whole scripture. I'm just, I want to point out a couple of scriptures here to you. Samuel also said to Saul, this is 15.1, the Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, 
verse 2. Thus, thus said the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. Now he ambushed him on the way when he was when he come to Egypt. And 3 says, Now go attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, infant, and nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now Saul was given his marching orders here. But if we go down to verse 9, it says, but. Now, how many times has that but destroyed a life? Maybe yours or, or, or caused you some un, unnecessary pain and turmoil. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the families of lamb and all that was good. And were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now God told Saul to destroy everything, but Saul had it in his mind. You know what? I'm going to keep the best for myself, and I'm going to destroy what I don't want or what I deem useless. And now the verse ten. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, "I greatly." Regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out unto the Lord all night. Now, Coach Newton. Yes, sir. You touched on a little bit. You touched on a little bit here. Why is it we think that we don't have to be obedient but still can be blessed? And obedience is probably the first and major technique into good stewardship and cultivating our garden. Break it down for him. Get the saw out. Ooh. You got the floor, sir. Uh, yeah, I'm about to just drop the bomb. Okay, this is what we have done. We have have this new thing called pay it forward. Now. Usually, it's a term that we use in business. You know, you pay it forward, right? Well, I've been seeing this type of thing happening in some, not all, some of our churches. It's called Mm -hmm. the pay it forward anointing. Uh Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, See, we like to put price tags on certain things. Some of us, not all of us. Now, we think that if I sold $1,000 every week Uh to my church, it's okay. Yeah, sorry. And it's okay for me to just do whatever I want because I paid it forward. Mm. Okay, here's another example. Well, I paid the contractor to revitalize the church. So I paid it forward. So that Saturday night going into 3 in the morning, I still got to show up the church, but I was still at the strip club. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. But I paid it forward. See, we don't feel obligated or responsible of our integrity 
because some of us have this strange idea that if we pay it forward, we could do whatever we want. Wrong. Mm -hmm. We have this other notion that we can be part-time believers. What does that mean? Well, part-time job, you put 20 hours a week, and that's your minimal requirement, right? So if we did our minimal requirement in some of our churches, then I did what I had to do so for hour 21, I can go and get lit with the boys and stuff like that. Or (laughs) in layman's terms, I can have a beer or two or three or four, or I could just be straight intoxicated. Hey, your choice. Mm -hmm. Because I can do that because I paid it forward. So so I don't Mm -hmm. know if all of you are getting that analogy or not. See, because I'm trying to be nice. But this is a time. See, how can we cultivate a relationship with God that all we got to do is these key, key simple things? Here's my final offensive play of the game. To sum it all up, we got to read our word. Sorry. If you're not good at reading, there's an audio version. See, we make so much excuses, but we don't want to bring results to our excuses. That's another thing, Coach D. Number two, spend time with those you want to be like. Now, what do I mean by that? People that will challenge you not only just to be a man, but be a man of God. A person that will steer you more to Christ than himself. That's what a true friend would do. Yeah, you can have shoot the breeze and go fishing and all that stuff, but if he can't lead you to the cross and he's leading you back into sin, then what's the point? Just saying. Mm. Number three, what about me? Okay, well, if you're not putting yourself on front street or in the lack of a better words if you're not tending to your own garden pulling out your own weeds how can you be effective to anyone when you still got junk in your trunk when you still got rabbits Mm. all in your garden and you got all those renegade weeds choking out all of your crops real simple it's about relationship. It's not about paying it forward. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about all this stuff that we put price tags on. God can't be bought. So stop trying to buy your ticket because it's not going to work. So, gentlemen, you can't pay it forward. Simple as that. And I drop the mic back to you. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know, Coach Andy, we're talking about obedience and important being a technique and cultivating because we do have to walk out the word. That's the only way that it's going to work is that we walk out the word because God has given us everything that we need in his word to cultivate with. But what I see in today's, especially in today's church and and 
and I spoke about this. If we're getting watered down and it's and it's not effective, how can we get that? I guess the lack of a better word, that old-timey gospel that really had an impact on people's lives. How can we get that back, sir? Go ahead. You have the floor. Well, uh, Coach D, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of it uh, depends on our perspective of uh, what God, uh, what God can do for us and what we need to do for him. Um, it's like, uh, said earlier that, uh, he's the, he's the owner and, uh, we may have a stewardship over our lives, but he's got the ultimate, uh, um, control over it. And, uh, we, uh, you know, in this story about Saul, uh, in the uh, end, Samuel says, that uh, behold to obey is better than sacrifice. And I think that's what coach Newton was really talking about is, you know, we, you know, we, sometimes we think that we sacrifice or we do certain things. And then that gives us the ability to uh, uh, make compromise in other areas. And uh, God doesn't desire us to, uh, uh, you know, Um, disobedience it even says here that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft that's the way god looks at our rebellion Mm. our inability to do his will and um you know what's funny about this story if you go to the book of esther um the descendants of agag who saul spared are actually Mm -hmm. haman who's trying to eliminate all the jews in the book of Esther. Wow. So this guy actually came from this event. Agag's descendant eventually was going to just try to destroy all the Jews. And so we wonder, well, why did God want Saul to wipe out the Amalekites? Why would he want him to do that? Well, because he knows the beginning from the end. that He understood okay. that eventually King Agag's descendants were going to try to wipe out the children of Israel. And so what we have to understand in our lives is that God has put these rules and these things, these commands, and the, and the things he's having us do are to protect us. Because he knows what's coming down the pike. He knows that you've got wisteria getting ready to choke you out. Uh, it looks beautiful now, but he knows that these things, and he tries to protect us. You know, I think so many people don't understand the character of God, that he is good and that his mercy endures forever. And the way we find those things is in Jesus. You know, if you want to know what God thinks about you, look at Jesus, because Jesus was the image of the Father. And so many people have a distorted view. They kind of look at the Old Testament and say that was God. And they look at the New Testament and say that was Jesus. But the thing is, it's all God. And Jesus is a reflection of the Father. So that same mercy and love that tried to protect his people from Agag's descendants is trying to protect us from the mistakes we make, those uh, relationships that are ungodly or the relationships that will lead us astray, uh, you know, those things that take us off the game take us off the mission 
So mm-hmm. that's really, uh, I think that we get, we, as we, you know, the main theme here, we get distracted by the lust of the flesh, and we get off the game, we forget, we get our head out of the game, and we uh, end up fumbling. And uh, back to you, Coach. Hey, man, good stuff, Coach Andy, good stuff. Coach Coleman, we're going to round this thing out. Obedience, cultivating, how important are the two? You have the floor, sir. He said obedience is better than sacrifice. I can't get any better than that. I don't care what you put on the. I don't care what you try to put on the altar and what you try to put up before him. His obedience is so much better than sacrifice. And I can I can tell you this: um, one good way to push it, and and I may have, I don't know if anybody's used this illustration, but Haman, Haman came, not Haman, but. Uh, the one who suffered from leprosy, I believe it was. But he, he went down. He wanted to go to Elisha, and he expected to give some type of gold or something as a sacrifice for his healing. Mm-hmm. But he told him to go down to the river and wash in the Jordan. But the Jordan was nasty. And sometimes it may mm-hmm. seem it may seem like so distasteful to be obedient. But once he went down, it didn't happen on the first go, the second go, or the sixth go. He had to do all seven. And when he was obedient, his healing came. I'm telling you, right now, if you want to see cultivation happen, you want to see transformation happen, you want to see things that just lift you up to a higher level uh, in your life and in the lives of others. Because sometimes we must understand our obedience plays a key part in the success in the lives of our children. Mm-hmm. And if we, we miss that in the success in the lives of our spouses, we have to be obedient to God's word so that when we know when it's time to execute his will, we do it on key and we'll see the most, the best return for our efforts. So it may, be, may not be exactly what you want to do. But it is what you need to do. And we believe, as a, maybe the sound of my, my time of being up, but we believe that greater things are going to happen because you are obedient. Even Christ said, nevertheless, thy will be done. Obedience is key. Obedience is key. Amen. And I'm Amen. out. Hallelujah. Well, coaches, we had, a, we had another successful locker room experience here. I think the guys oh. have gotten. Go ahead. I was going to say, don't forget, disobedience is what's got us in this mess. Anyway, sorry. Back to you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, as as I was saying, coaches, I think we've had another very successful time here in the locker room with the guys. Now, look, you know, I don't want you to think that we've been picking on you or you feel in some type of way because we hit some hard things today. Being challenging is always going to be hard. But I know, these coaches know, the only way to level up is to be challenged. You can't sit back and get an easy street and get comfortable and want to level up without being challenged. These are some things that, that I'm being challenged with. I'm sure the coaches today, after listening and ministering are being challenged with, you know, because you do have to ask, how are you cultivating your garden? Are you tending to what God gives you? And are you tending into the manner which he laid out for you? 
And those are some tough questions. Those are some tough things. But we know as we go on through this series, you're going to get it. You are absolutely going to get it. But if you're listening here today and you want to go back and listen to some of the other series, we are on every single streaming network out there. Just type in Men of Purpose Locker Room. You'll find us. You can listen to all the previous series. We encourage you to go out and listen. Or you can go to tpvministries.com, uh, and we're out there as well. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network, um, we're there as well. And on the Psalmist Voice page, we're, we're there as well. So there's many ways to get this. So you can drop us a line at, at moplockerroom.com. I mean, moplockerroom at gmail.com. Forgive me. And you can drop us a line, and we're more than happy to address anything. Or just you want to drop a line to hear from us. Or you can go out to our webpage. That's uh, Men of Purpose Locker Room. And we have a lot of uh, upcoming resources. And it's still a little work in progress. But we're going to have some upcoming resources there as well that you can get what you need. Because we want you to have a toolbox full. We don't want you empty anymore. We want you to be able to reach in there and get out whatever you need, what God has given for that time to combat what you have. But I enjoyed this time with you. I'm thankful. Thank you, coaches. Awesome time. I thank God for you. Uh, It was really, really dynamic, and I know that someone that is listening is going to glean something from this time. So this is Coach D. This is the locker room, Inner Purpose Locker Room. Get at us. Listen to us. We'll have a schedule out for you, or you can go to the Psalmist Voice. Uh, I think I'm saying it right, Pastor Chris. Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Psalmist Voice Radio okay, Network. Can... All one word, dot com, yep. or just like dot the com. page. Yes, TPV sir. Radio on Facebook. Amen. Or... And I almost forgot, TV1, we're soon to be there, too. Shout out to TV1 and what they're doing, uh, the Coleman's out there and what's going on. Well, hey, look, I enjoyed you. God bless you. We love you. We ask you to tune in again and give us a call. Drop a line. Do whatever needs to happen to get you through because we're here for you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.